0: the world i don't know um this is the sixth yeah episode america episode. and the world
1: yeah america's obviously better as anarchists we love america hate the rest of the world obviously uh is the f- that is a lie mm. it is the sixth episode of lucy and Corey's. Antis- off to now. a great start we're always off to a great start they're wearing a joan Jet shirt in florida oh yeah yeah that's true
0: also true and they're lucy uh wearing a plain black shirt no
1: i'm wearing a depressing uh, anti-drone shirt
0: yeah oh okay yeah you can't really
1: tell um I'm
0: they're in, in um philadelphia right
1: oh my god <laughs> okay oh sorry, right sorry, sorry sorry
0: sorry 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 sorry. Uh, like
1: four years cory thought Listeners. i lived in in philadelphia no
0: it's not exactly true it's just It's just, I would sort of think you were around Philadelphia, at least. Like, in the general vicinity of Philadelphia, because that's where we... Once we were there at the same time. It's true. That's true. It wasn't even where we met. It was just once one time we were there at the same time. I was thinking, no, we met in D.C., so if anything, I should think you live in D.C. And you live even farther from D.C. You
1: also live in D.C., apparently, because I met you there.
0: Yeah, we both live in D.C.
1: No, we shouldn't, because D.C. is terrible.
0: Well, I would I've not want to live
1: there.
0: I would I not want to live there. After.
1: Do not recommend. One out of oh, how long, the, long did you live there? Stars, um, more, like fifteen months.
0: Why? For like an internship or something?
1: For Reason. <laughs> For
0: oh, like when you worked at Reason?
1: Yeah. Always oh. Reason.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah.
0: It was like what? a while ago. It's wh- I think I forgot.
1: Yeah, no, I can't believe
0: money. I'm pod. I can't believe I'm podcasting with an ex-reasoner.
1: Yes, that is terrific.
0: All the reason in this podcast is definitely on my side. Uh-huh. In other words,
1: uh-huh. well, as a man, you have reason and cold, rational thought, and I—that's true.
0: I'm I'm incapable of emotion.
1: Yeah. Everyone knows anger and other male-coded emotions are not emotions, so don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried. <sighs> wow. Speaking of anger, maybe we should get into, uh, you know, um, like the big, you know, the big topic of late. Um,
1: Which depressing big topic have we? You know, to cover Corey. Um,
0: I think uh, the shortage of cotton candy. Is the big one that we should discuss? It's everyone knows that it's big and that they're probably expecting our thoughts on it.
1: That's very true.
0: And I uh, say, I say, you know what I think? I think most people are wrong, and I think they should just 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 make more cotton candy. I know that's kind of a controversial view. Cotton candy, but that would be the solution to the shortage, I think. To make more,
1: sounds like a f- free market talk to me. So I don't know if that's valid.
0: Free cotton candy.
1: Um, your sound is terrible. Are you wearing headphones?
0: Yeah. Are you wearing headphones? But you, to be honest, to be yes, but to be honest, your sound and 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 audio and the image seems bad from my end too. Huh. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Hmm. Why is my sound terrible? Can you not understand what I'm saying?
1: No, I can. It was just like there was like a weird, mysterious, no. sound like sound. some kind of evil was growing.
0: It could be an evil. It could be an evil. Under the table, maybe. I don't know. If the sound is bad, we can totally excise the important cotton candy discussion. That could be deleted. Oh, but the
1: people would would lose that.
0: The Um, people would riot.
1: Yeah. In America and abroad. podcast talk made me really hungry. Now we're thinking about cotton candy, so.
0: Yeah. I say we keep all this, you know. There should be no, the curtain should be down. Oz, you know, is a myth. You know, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I like to imagine that deep. our people aware of us hold us in great awe, as if we're well, <laughs> wizards, I guess, of some kind.
0: God, this is the worst podcast in the world. I um, know. No, I'm Horrible. just kidding. <laughs> but we have great banter. <sighs> um... Let's talk about let's talk about Israel. Let's talk about Palestine. Um, those are things in the world. Have you heard of those things? Yes. I yeah, hear. me too. I hear things. Wow. I don't want to hear 99% of the discourse about the uh, these things, but, but yeah, I do. That
1: was totally my fault in the past several minutes.
0: <laughs> what was your fault? Israel-Palestine?
1: No. <laughs> um,
0: oh, thank God. I was going to say, I'm podcasting with an ex-reasoner <laughs> and the cause of Israel-Palestine conflict.
1: To be fair, if it was my fault, perhaps then I could fix it. And that would be pretty handy.
0: Mm, yeah, you just need to apologize. <laughs> will you do that? Will you make a public apology, Lucy?
1: I will. And and, and, and,
0: I, and and remedy this?
1: I like to think that if that's all it took, I would, in fact, do that. And,
0: and bring about peace in our time? You can yeah. do it. No one's stopping you from... Because even there's even a chance, like uh, one... Hundredth of a thousand percent chance that your public apology—you know—you should do it for the for the for the risk reward ratio. Yeah. No, no downside. Huge upside. The upside is huge.
1: That's true. Can't argue with that. Yeah. So, is there anything you
0: can argue with about Israel Palestine?
1: Well, not. I don't really. know. I don't
0: think. I don't think we disagree too much on that. But I'm um,
1: very surprised. I mean.
0: It's, well, we do have a collective uh, lamentation, I think, at um, the that's whole the whole discourse surrounding it.
1: And it's almost easier to be annoyed by the discourse than the actual facts of it. But you know.
0: Oh well, that's just you know, it's the the perspective of outsiders is, is kind of reduced to that. But yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um,
1: um, have you noticed that some people who seemed kind of reasonable get real spooky when it comes to talking about this conflict?
0: Well, um, it's that time of the year to be spooky, I guess. But, <laughs> I was um, looking for that it is, of
1: spooky, but yes, it, indeed it is. It is
0: weird. It is weird. It is weird. Some people I, I really greatly uh, agree with and, and, and even respect and admire, uh, oftentimes I, I find myself, yeah, having these strong disagreements whenever this topic rears its head, whenever, uh, uh, you know, issues surrounding it, um, start to flare up. Uh, and it's, it's frustrating and in some ways disorienting. Um, uh, maybe that's a product of just being inundated with so many views, uh, with social media, but yeah, hard to make sense of hard to, uh, feel, feel, uh, complacent about too. Um, and then it feels like very Sisyphean because then it's like every time, you know, it comes back in the new cycle, then you have the same arguments with those same people or something.
1: My thing is, so I saw it not uh, clarifying for my own sake, not because it's mandatory, but I am not a fan of Hamas uh, or any group uh, that, for one thing. You know, provokes violence against their people. Um, you know, unilaterally deciding yeah. something and doing it on purpose, even for their political goals, not just other innocent people, but their own people. And it's not like they took a vote or something, as if that would matter. But yeah, last night I saw a particular tweet that was, you know, blaming, saying every single thing that happens is is on Hamas. Um, you know, like it's their fault. And even if everything about it about that tweet was true, it wouldn't change the fact that something is wrong with punishing large swaths of people. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's abuser talk. Like you made me do this. And that's all I care about. Is yeah. You made us commit this violence and all philosophical ethical quandaries stop because it's your fault. Like a child. It's yeah. very strange.
0: Yeah, it's strange how that philosophy comes. Like, it, it, it it's hard to in war, in the context of war, it's hard to conduct or or, or think just any part of war. I feel like without some line of thought, um, um uh, like that, um, and, and in terms of this, uh, you know, uh, denial of agency in some ways for for when it's convenient for one of the parties, um, That's true, yeah. and and responsibility uh, then for their for their actions. Um, and any innocents killed. Um, And then it it licenses violence on both sides. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I guess that also people use that in certain, I don't know, like criminal justice, police contexts where again, I don't know, like if you think Waco was swell and it was 100% David Koresh's fault or whatever, David Koresh being a child molesting cult leader, that part is true. Even if it was 100% his fault and somehow not the federal government's fault whatsoever, which is not true, the -hmm. end result was still 20 children dying and some other people who maybe would have shook off the whole cult thing and had better lives after that. I mean, like, what is the blame obsession? It's so fucking childish. Um, You know, we can talk about blame, but it's not the number one concern. (laughs) But apparently it is for these people. And it's... It's disturbing.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I think it's a good point. It kind of reminds me of a point um, that uh, uh, Brian Kaplan uh, makes. Uh, you know, who uh, I don't always agree with, uh, especially as of the late, but still uh, has always made great arguments in the con- in this context of, of war. Um, and he makes the case, you know, the argument that uh, you know, even if a lot of these um, casualties of war uh, were, um, necessary or in some way, uh, causally related to some greater end or some, some worthwhile goal, um, outside of that, even if, if that was the case, even if you grant that it's, it's bizarre and repugnant that the way, uh, people who view those things as necessary or worthwhile still approach it with, uh, insufficient regret. And, and, and like you said, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's this, well, I have nothing to even feel bad about and there's nothing to even feel bad about, you know, however many children died in this case, in that case, uh, and, and, but you know, it's, it's all the fault, uh, of this other party. Um, and so I don't, I don't have anything to feel regretful about. And, and, and he talks about how, how kind of warped that view is. Like, even if I thought that there was some calculus that deemed it worthwhile, uh, it would be it would be, uh, you know, um, one of like mourning and sorrow to have to, to have to believe that view and, and, and act it out in the world and defend it. Uh, uh, you know, that seems like the proper or appropriate emotional um, set of uh, emotions to go with those views, even if you think they're true. And they so often don't. You know, there's uh, a real bloodthirstiness and retributiveness, and, and they deserved it, sort of, um, vibe to to a lot of it, and, and it sucks.
1: I mean, even if, you know, you killed somebody in the most obvious, clear-cut, self-defense, one-on-one situation, we would assume yeah. that you should feel not great about having to do it, you know? We would find that very disturbing. Or if you had to kill a rabid dog, you know? Like... There's nothing to celebrate here, or even to be like, well, it had to be done, so I have no emotions about it. I mean, the, the, yeah. the sort of political single-tier regret is also not great, because I think, you know, I don't know, somebody like Barack Obama probably thought it was a real solemn duty to, you know, bomb lots of, drone lots of weddings and stuff, and when people died, well, darn it, it's just my job as president. And that's not, you know, ethically satisfactory either. But for somebody who's a complete outsider, who has nothing to lose by being concerned (laughs) about ethics and the bloodshed, you you lose nothing by being like, oh my God. But instead you turn fully to, well, it's all Hamas's fault, so I have no, I have nothing else. That's all I have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I there's a Yeah, I agree. Even in the political context, it's often it, it strikes me more as a complacency or a kind of apathy about it um, than any genuine sorrow or regret. Um, hard, uh, hard for me to, to see it as, as that um, kind of this banality to those mm-hmm. deaths. I'm, I, I feel like uh, from the perspective of the political um, agents. But I also have two thoughts on on what you just said. With the first is that I agree that uh, you know the similar emotions are you know sorrow and regret and guilt and maybe some guilt are appropriate uh, when um, in the case of putting down a rabid dog. But then I would I would I would just I would just hesitate to in the flip side on the flip side uh, analogize that too far with the human experience because I think that ends up being a, den- a denial of agency as well. So I wasn't sure. You know, I think that ends up being in a I weird was way really trying to
1: find an example where to kill something was unimaginably yes. the right idea, and even then you shouldn't be delighted by that. Um, right,
0: okay. Yes. I realize I that agree. people
1: compare certain groups sometimes in that way, and that is not... Ex- oh, exactly I didn't
0: really mean... Oh, no, I, don't, I know you didn't mean that. I was just sort of... It almost reminds me of, um, you know, like, uh, like the Joker or something, right? Like this, this you know, this, as if a person could be a rabid dog. Um, or like not have agency if even if they're committing wrong acts, but oh,
1: um, and we can take a fifty year tangent about the brain and you know certain things if it's actually yeah. your fault and that sort of thing. There's a whole there's oh sure, sure lifetime tangents worth of things that are available. Yeah, but I don't know
0: and and my them. and my my other thought was just I'm kind of reminded of of kind of a sad a sad situation because you bring up um the exact context which is even in appropriate self-defense even in uh necessary and um maybe even proportional true just self-defense uh it seems odd to not have any uh sorrow in that situation and it reminds me of just a uh, kind of a famous situation that that this really applies to and, and uh, which is um uh scott hall who who recently passed away he was a pro wrestler and, and he kind of uh when he was working as um working at like a bar uh as like a bouncer back in like the 80s i guess he was attacked outside in the parking lot and um you know a guy was on top of him and going at him and his life you know easily was in danger and he you know with his back to the pavement you know getting beat up uh, and pummeled, he pulled out his gun and shot the guy point blank in self-defense. Uh, and, you know, he never, you know, and and so he, he was okay legally, uh, right. Self-defense, but he was never, as far as I understand, okay, psychologically and mentally and spiritually, I guess, because it was also bound up in his religious views. Uh, you know, I, I, I've heard that he, for the rest of his life, for the next 30 plus years he felt such immense guilt at that situation and the fact that he had to he killed someone he took away someone's life he shot someone point blank and it almost seems really hard to reconcile that with the fact that you kind of you you had to and it was just and um and and i can't imagine um and and my understanding is he drove himself crazy with that guilt and uh and he had problems with alcoholism and a lot of things i think he was convinced he was he was going to hell or facing some sort of Religious-related punishment, um, ultimately, because he violated such a such a key, you know, seeming you know moral rule or commandment uh, to not kill or not take a life, um, well, and obviously yeah. that's not good.
1: No, oh. yeah, I was gonna say that's that's not a good
0: thing, but it speaks. Oh to- no, no, he tormented himself and tortured himself with that. I'm saying it's to the all the way to the other side of this issue, to where then you can go too far with that or something or or or, but, but, but yeah, it's, um, no, no, it's, it's, it's a real shame. Um, and and it's, it's, I guess it's a shame the way our emotions fail us with these situations.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think of war, um, and PTSD as well. And you can, again, get into overly detailed question of the ethics when you are in the situation of war and you have a gun and they have a gun and, um, I mean, I don't know, but, People, people having PTSD from that speaks well of humans because we do not tend to enjoy that experience. There is a minority yeah. who have brain problems that are probably not their fault either. Again, which is another whole kettle of fish. But most people do not do well with war. It hurts us. It damages us yeah. to hurt other people a lot of the time. I mean, how many people who abuse other people were abused. A lot of them, you know, it's not everything. It's not everything's an excuse. not every perpetrator was a victim once, but it seems like a lot of them work. So I don't think we like doing violence very much, mostly in spite of the fact that it occurs more than we'd like. So yay for humans with an asterisk, I think for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think I agree. Um, and I, and I think that's why we come up with these rationales, like you were initially talking about, um, with excising our own agency and our own guilt, um, in order to uh, to reconcile oneself to the violence and to um, sleep at night, I guess if you want to say that. But.
1: I mean, okay, so but also less philosophically, can I just? I mean, we don't need to get Jeez. like super specific about uh israel and palestine in a way in a way i don't know enough i know that the palestinians are ill-treated um but i also know that you know what they call terrorism is not good for moral and practical reasons as far as i'm concerned it doesn't work it causes casualties on your side and you know it's not it's not a good thing um
0: but no, the, the Hamas government is terrible for the people of Gaza. Terrible. It's one of the ter- most terrible governments.
1: Yeah, I mean, even before Hamas, any kind of, you know, like a suicide bombing back in the early aughts, anything like that. You know, it's not. You can sort of empathize with 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 desperation of a population that's not being treated fairly while still saying that that's yeah. not even an option. Yeah,
0: you have to do both I think you have to do both sides of that
1: because you have to ask why people do anything um, you know why they would bother now,
0: yeah. why would why would people bomb entire uh, uh, areas uh, in order to kill uh, perceived just a few perceived enemies well, both sides have the same question
1: but again no matter how many you know how, how much you talk it out, you and anyone can't... You can't talk away the fact that almost half the people in Gaza are children. And yeah. nothing... There is no circumstance. There is no mitigating circumstance to hurt those people. There's nothing that you can do to talk that into being acceptable if you had your whole life to, tr- to rhetorically twist it. And
0: but that won't, that won't prevent people from doing so. Trying so, as we've seen.
1: But the people who I think know better, they just sort of don't step on that, or they go, they say, "Well, it's Hamas's fault." I'm like, "Well, okay, maybe it is. That's not what I said. I said, I mean, like, yeah, you can't do that. It's a fucking, it's a cheat, you know. But it's, it's, it's like when it happens if you bring up with somebody who loves the death penalty, someone who is obviously innocent, and they say, "Well, what about this complete sadist who definitely did it?" Well, okay, but what about the guy who was innocent? You just, you, you can't address it. Yeah.
0: You know?
1: the rea- yeah. Like, There's a lot of issues where you just, you can't address directly, you know, immigration restrictions actually harm American citizens, pretending for a second that I care about American citizens more than anyone else. They don't talk about that. Right. Um, all of the consequences of, of anti-abortion laws, can't talk about that, you know, it's just
0: well there's a you know that's the only way um you know to rationalize i think certain things right to have a sort of selective focus and 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 we've seen just that with with gaza and and it's absurd i think i think a lot of people almost don't know details like that that half the people there are children people are repeating it and it's still not um, working on certain people well there's an obstinance obviously to facts uh but um, I, I, I guess I just worry that because uh, I think when you look at at public polls, it seems like unfortunately resound like one sidedness uh, with support for Israel in um,
1: America or in
0: yes, yeah, yes that I've seen recently. Be uh, and it seems like uh, you know PR wise, you know the initial um, attacks and, and mass murders by Hamas that prompted this round of. Um, even though
1: it's Could have told selective to focus,
0: of- even though it's selective to focus the story there, yeah. but right. But that's where the new, the new series of events, and new cycle kicked off. And that's the thing I think that imprinted on a lot of people, um, and the, the, the completely disproportionate and, 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 and likewise murderous response less so, uh, being highlighted or, 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 or emphasized, um, and, and part of that, I think, involves a certain conception of Gaza and the people there. And um, one of the best ways to rationalize war and the bombings uh, and, and the slaughtering of innocents is by this collective blame and collective guilt and collective punishment and equating Hamas and the terrorist group and the government with uh, the entire people of Gaza uh, or even Palestine. And then, you know, and so saying, just, you know, just wash your hands of it. Um, and I, I think mean, that I hope I hope most people don't know that, like, half the kids there or half the people there are kids. And none of them had, and none of those kids had any say um, in, in bringing about Hamas and 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 bringing Hamas to power. Um, yeah. Even though our politicians act like it.
1: I, there's just, it's like... They don't accept that you can't kill people en masse, particularly children, as a punishment. Because the world exists as it exists, and people do that sort of thing all the time. So if you try to tell them this shouldn't be an option, it doesn't really compute either. You know? And, okay, then what what else?
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people... I think it's the, uh, you know, it's the human problem in a way to resign yourself to certain things in the world and a lot of the evil in the world. And then you end up, because of that resignation, kind of licensing or legitimizing or at least being complacent in regards to evil.
1: But, I mean, I guess now I'm thinking, like, the difference between, okay, anarchism and, you know, centrist, real world, like, all that shit. Um, And if I'm (laughs) saying, okay, there's a principle here where you cannot kill children, uh... And, okay, that's a principle, but they're ignoring the reality of those children. Like, we know that they are children. We know that they have nothing to do with Hamas or any other. They have no power. <laughs> that part is real. That is unimpeachable fact. So, and all I have on top of that is a principle that says you cannot punish those people. And what they have is a principle that says, yuh but they ignore the reality of who those children are and their complete lack of blame in anything. And
0: yeah.
1: now oh, I'm mad about it.
0: Yeah. There's an abstraction. I don't see how any of this could be rationalized and, and, and anyone can sleep at night without these abstractions at play and, and our thought. And, um, and, 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 uh, it's debilitating and it's easy to get caught up in abstractions. Um, but yeah, I
1: mean, it comes down to like the last time we talked about a war, and we're thinking of late of the Ukraine and Russia, where in yeah. the vague sense Ukraine has a just cause in the sense that they are being invaded by a foreign army. Um, so when when I lean uh, five seconds ago, I was leaning towards pure pacifism, and then I start thinking about how. I could talk myself into saying, you know, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising was not ethically permissible because if the Wehrmacht people were involved, which I think they were, and they were drafted, and it wasn't gonna work, so all you're doing is like like and that's ridiculous. That's like I can't but I could talk, you know, try to talk into that attitude if I really thought violence in any larger than one person scale was never permissible. So at some point, there's a line somewhere, but it doesn't involve bombing civilian populations, period. You know, I don't, like, Ukraine managing to hit Russia. Also, humans have been pretending that their bombs are more accurate since World War II, if not before, and it's fucking Mm.
0: bullshit. That's a good point.
1: There was a whole thing in World War II where the Norton bomb said, oh, we always hit wherever... uh, And it's not, it's not Hmm. true. And we still pretend that we always get our man. We always hit the right. Oops. It was a wedding.
0: Right. Yeah. um...
1: When it costs you nothing to be like, maybe this is bad. People who are not in any danger, people who are 4,000 miles away and they still can't say I am uncomfortable with the collective punishment being doled out and they won't say it because right. it's a team sport and it's
0: right. Yeah. I, um, on pacifism, I, 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 I mean, that, that can mean a couple things. I know we talked about this uh, before. I don't know if we talked about on the show, but, but, uh, but pacif- pacifism means no defense, no self-defense. Then I'm, I, I couldn't be more against it. Yeah. Um, I think the idea that, I, I kind of, I think I have a, res, a certain respect for the view. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, uh, there's a lot of Christian um, explications of that view. Uh, not surprising, uh, which I think are often very interesting and very challenging and um, willing to be counterintuitive. And and, um, and I appreciate arguments like that. Uh, but ultimately, I find the idea that you, that, that it's wrong to defend yourself repugnant. Mm-hmm. And because, by extension, it's wrong to defend others. You know, it's not; it's disrespectful to yourself to let yourself um, be subject to violence without defensive, defensively uh, fighting back. Defending
1: others is now mutated into Gaza being bombed and massed. You're defending others. You're defending your because they were in fact attacked. Violence was committed against them, and so you're defending others. And that's what we've decided. Well, they're saying, does.
0: well, I don't know if it's about defending Cause they're also saying they're, def- they're defending themselves they're, I'm defending Israel's defending itself, uh, by, you know, as if Israel was a person and, and Gaza was another right. person. States have uh, no but, right but, to
1: exist or defense, but, by the way, no States.
0: But like I'm, but, but the, but the, the moral I think principles at play are obvious, um, when looked at in a certain context and they're not, like we said it before, abstracted, um, Uh, away in these geopolitical conflicts um i can defend myself from getting mugged i can defend the old lady down the street from getting mugged um and and to think that that's wrong is 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 to do a disservice to yourself and the old lady and um to let to let injustice happen um I, i just think it's a shame we 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 have, I think, such a tendency to um, go further than defense and what's proportional and what's uh, about restoring the conditions of nonviolence. We go further than that uh, to retribution and to punishment.
1: It's a rare and treasured uh, concept um, that we really aren't interested in. I mean, like a parody libertarian has a lawn lawn covered in landmines. And if your neighbor chases a ball, like little kid chases a ball onto the property, you're allowed to shoot him because property rights are good. And that wouldn't be proportionality. It's... That's a vague, vaguely correct concept that would be an insane version of it. Like, we've yeah. we lost proportionality on lots of things, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I think everyone agrees in theory to, de- oh, yeah, sure, violence should be defensive. Sure, it sure should be proportional. It's just that in practice, then there's so much divergence. And I think. Um, and, and abstraction at play. And and, and unfortunately, rights and defense and, and justice and all that good stuff means nothing without proportionality. And it's not talked about enough. It's not theorized enough, especially for people whose political ideologies and worldviews are centered on rights and justice and defensive violence alone. Proportion- without them, proportionality means nothing. What do you do when rights have viola- been violated? You can give me a theory all day long about how, what rights are and why people shouldn't violate them. That's fantastic. It's never going to be the case that then rights aren't violated in the real world. The whole reason we need to figure them out and what they are and, wh- and, and and why why is because they get violated in the real world. But then what do we do there? What is the next step? And that's where proportionality and then other things like restitution and even reparations. And those are more also complex, more complex discussions, too, and how these ideas should be cashed out. But they're central to any libertarian conception of rights or any good conception of that stuff, I think. We ignore at our own peril the idea that if you step on my toe, I can uh, shoot you away uh, uh, is preposterous, and it goes and more and more often than not, our rights theory becomes useless in practice because we are not talking about what to do then, Mm -hmm. and then we end up either implicitly or explicitly endorsing ridiculous stuff like you just mentioned,
1: or we actually endorse revenge, even if we don't admit it that revenge is part of and that. You can't do that. Once, get morally and practically, again, that is a terrible road to go down. Even if well, I yeah, exercise so. with, you know, your family gets killed by one group, and you know, like I get, and it's I know it's easy for me to say, but revenge is not a good. It's not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's the easiest thing to say at some you know a time a, but it's the hardest thing to say you know when when it's relevant. Uh, In some ways, uh, when when you're emotionally caught up in something, it's if upon reflection, we can't condemn revenge, then there's no point in further discussing anything. We're lost. We're completely lost as people. There's a reason so much good art for for all time has been about the the wrongness of revenge, the understandability of revenge. But then the other side of its of its utter wrongness and the utter need to ultimately reject it um, after initially being tempted by it, uh, however, understandably to ultimately reject it.
1: And that goes back to my soft spot for pure pacifism and certain Christian tenets. And they can always be ruined. Um, like, I had a soft spot for Christian forgiveness when it came to, like, um, there was some British dude whose book I read who was on the Bataan Death March in World War two. He was forced to build a railroad, he was tortured um, mm. by the Japanese. And. Years and years later, he found the translator who had been there for the torture sessions and they reconciled. The translator had spent years becoming a Buddhist, you know, building a temple and penance and stuff. And they all, they just like sat down and were like, all right, let's all forgive each other. And that kind of thing, you know, maybe that's, there's nothing rational there, but it's incredibly moving, I think. But it's incredibly moving because it's, you also recognize that it's difficult. It takes, a certain strength. Yeah, That's hard. You would understand if someone didn't possess that. Um
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But the more I've read recently about um Duggar's style of fundamentalist Christianity, the more I see that even that beautiful forgiveness part is warped. Because in those contexts you have to forgive the person. It's not a choice. Especially if you're a like a young right. woman, someone powerless the like the sort of beauty of it, like the the strength, it's not there because you have to. Things are not fixed for you. You just have to forgive them, um, <clears throat> and it becomes very twisted. Yeah. Similarly, yeah. Um, I believe during World War Two, Gandhi had a whole thing where he was like, "You Jews should just lay down your lives in nonviolence," and that was a big old blunder on his part, um, because. But at the same token, uh, some of the good parts of Gandhi, if Gaza had a figure like that, you know, of late, I feel like people have been pointing out that some of the really bad parts of Gandhi, there was some good stuff there. And we, at some point, including a lot of leftists, have completely dismissed anything about nonviolence now. The kind of person who dips a toe into endorsing Hamas or even kind of does, you know, because any oppressed population can do anything to fight against their oppressors yeah. and then what are you doing then, yes. and then I, non-violence is totally just forget it there's no that doesn't work we've decided
0: yeah i uh i think uh it, it's a bit it's 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 an, it's an extreme overreaction in a way is the line of thought to the things that you were saying which is where the uh the anti-revenge views or the pro-forgiveness views can go wrong and end up resigning ourselves to injustice and harm. And, and like I said earlier, I think they're in this. And if if they if what pacifism and forgiveness means uh, never defending yourself and others and never standing up um, to injustice defensively, proportionally, fairly, but still not because it's the flip mistake, I think, to not uh, defend yourself and others uh, to commit injustice. Right? Like the flip mistake is to just let it happen. Um, so, it, so I think they're both wrong in a way, like you said, I think it's more in a, in a weird sense, maybe more admirable just to go wrong in the direction that most people aren't capable of and don't to go wrong. And I, I you know, if you view the, the, the virtuous thing to do and somewhere in the middle of a spectrum and the two vices on the other sides, then like, I think self-defensive violence is right in the virtuous part, but one vice is, 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 um, committing violence, beyond defense, retributive or disproportional or vengeful. And then the other vice or mistake is just letting violence happen um, and forgiving it or licensing it. And and that's also a mistake, um, although not, it's well, far point, less of us do that one.
1: At some point, you're not valuing human life either. When exactly. You know full that's of- what I mean on violence you
0: know yeah to truly value it yeah and this is unfortunately what the defend people these are the arguments that i think people take the truth from and then use to defend the disproportionate response oh you can't let yourself get stepped on you have to you know you can't let injustice happen and and yes you're right about that but then you're just committing further injustice by by bombing innocence and they use those arguments to, to defend those actions as if that was just the the justice or the restoration of justice or anything like that um, and I think it's a shame that then the left wing has seen that and, and I think gone wrong in a completely different direction. I feel, you know, when this topic comes back up, I expect to be let down by the right wing in a way uh, to be to, for them to be unabashedly and, and uh, pro whatever measures Israel takes in response, no matter how disproportionate um, and lethal. I expect the right wing to let me down mostly um, on that. I, I've been extremely frustrated to be to feel let down by the left wing in this new round of um, discussion because uh, the, 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 the my because I'm more I, I'm closer to the left wing view in terms of um, viewing Israel quite negatively the government mm-hmm. but um, like you said the now the left wing has gone wrong in the opposite direction and there's entirely too much, uh, tolerance or downplaying of um, of what Hamas did of, of Hamas being bad, including for Palestinians that's the most deranged part of it all that it's in, it's incredibly and in, unjust for the American leftists to to downplay Hamas because Hamas in some ways their greatest victims are the Palestinians they rule over. Um, Palis, you know the Palestinians are, are subject to both the, the the injustice of Hamas and Israeli governments. And we're just picking some other government there. That this makes no sense because you oppose one to support the other. You should oppose both. Um, and it's been incredibly frustrating to see leftists fail, I think, and and that and and let Israel gain the government's responses gain more sympathy then, I think because of of the bizarre callousness and um, from the left.
1: Definitely. So everyone's terrible again. And we love, them all. <laughs> love their humanity and everyone's a disaster.
0: There's like some small contingent, you know, of some leftists, some libertarians, like, you know, a little bit overlaps of who, like, I feel like take the appropriately nuanced view on this. Um, I mean, I guess I would say it about most any issue, but but especially this one where it feels like the nuanced view is so hard to come by. And in some ways it's understandable because it is so, so deeply complex, so historical um, but 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 also, nevertheless, I feel so alienated when um, like I, like we started with people on either side of that, either either leftists being bizarrely uh, tolerant or even pro um, um, some of the Moss actions. And then uh, I, and then, uh, and, then uh, and then, of course, the uh, right wingers who who pro or to- too tolerant or pro the Israeli disproportionate response. Um,
1: and I feel like I've been seeing a mixing of sort of. Bush years um, flag waving conservatism with our fresh horrible paleo conservatism, and there's kind of mixing around lately. But I'm also seeing like people like Glenn Greenwald who thought Fox News because it used to have Tucker Carlson and his paleo conservatism. That well, they're obviously anti-intervention, and he's you know tweeting responses to Fox News people there now, being sort of early Bush years. Yay, Israel. Oh, the Arabs. And like, yeah, He was like he forgot, like he couldn't remember that that's what those people are like in the end.
0: I think this almost caught a lot of us off guard. This issue coming back up because it felt like like you said, the Glenn Greenwalds and and the way uh, the alliances and and, and dividing lines have sort of shifted maybe and reorganized last uh, five, 10 years. Uh, People were caught off guard uh, by this issue because it's like we forgot Islamophobia was like a hugely powerful force in the world and American politics. Yep. It's like we, it was like that was central for like a long time. And then I don't know, somehow like world events changed such a way where it's almost feels like we stopped talking about it for a long time. And then it's like, Oh yeah, this, all these people are like motivated by like seemingly Islamophobia uh, to, to, to take a side in the conflict. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to bring up, which again is too large of a box of the, how much of this is purely, um, you know, racism or or, or religious bigotry? Because, again, if I start, okay, you know, start thinking about it, evangelicals support Israel for reasons that shouldn't be very flattering to Jews, because it's some of it's very yes. apocalyptic shit. And at the end of that, they think that Jews will have to convert or die. Jesus comes back, temple destroyed, blah. Um, yeah. And, of course, can't wait. Islam islam values jesus as a prophet just not quite as he's not their favorite He's not their number one guy arguably islam values jesus judaism is just like he was a nice young rabbi you know he was one of ours but then he yeah. started this whole new thing yeah. um whereas islam thinks jesus is holy he's just not their number one holy guy obviously none of this ever translates it's totally it's not it doesn't work this way but <laughs> just the anti-I just Islam- love
0: your breakdown of I just love your breakdown of the of of those these monotheistic religions views on Jesus <laughs>
1: the just the anti-Islam thing they don't even they don't think about it at all you know I mean nobody like, Who? just the people the anti just like the the Islamophobes it's just those are a different, oh they're a, a mass of different people I remember asking my grandma about Japanese internment what she remembered about it hmm. when it happened um mm. and she said that what she remembered was like it was vaguely sort of sad but like nope she didn't know anyone japanese nobody knew anyone japanese japanese were mm. in fact in a slightly less aggressive to her way but still they were an alien different population yeah. it didn't hit home you know and i just think that yeah. i will never forget soon after 9 11 reading a poll in like a time magazine or something <clears throat> when like 30 percent of people thought it would be okay to intern muslims which i now believe that 30 percent of people can be counted upon to respond insanely to any poll
0: yeah sure (laughs) plus or five minus uh plus or minus five percent but um (laughs) yeah (laughs) depending (laughs) on which day you know
1: 35
0: Um, you know, if I'm more optimistic or pessimistic about humanity (laughs) on any given day, give the margin of error to the direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, in America, um, both, uh, Muslims and Jews, um, are vanishingly scarce. Most people don't know them. I, I, I've met a number of people who I'm the first Jewish person they met. I think it's around one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's around, you live in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. my friend. And I'm from the Northeast. I'm from New York City, so yeah, I met a lot of Jews. But I hear
1: in New York City. It's true.
0: There's there's a few of yeah, uh, um, but I think it's like around one percent for each uh, Jews and Muslims in America. And I mean, the polls, you know, people completely wildly overrate how many Jews and Muslims there are in America. Um, again, it's just we live in that world of abstractions. You know, we live in our cable TV uh, or whatever or, or, or our screen, and 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 then we come up with these these weird conceptions of things. Um, and I, and I think both of these issues are at play and they're both a cause of a lot of violence and hatred and a result of a lot of violence and hatred in a weird way. People reason to them from different premises and get to their, and or they sometimes reason them. Sometimes start with them. I don't know. Um, uh, either way. Yeah. It's, it's been frustrating to see, uh, to see, to see these things, um, rear their head. It's just so much the last few weeks. I mean, I, it just, it just feels inescapable. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is. I don't have a good. um, I was just thinking again about what you were talking about before with Hamas and the biggest victims of Hamas, general, usually being Palestinians. Oh yeah. And I was also recently seeing things about Israelis, ones who aren't happy with the response, being you know, sort of looked at as it. like they're, they're like, they're not being treated super well either by the government or probably by some of their neighbors because they're supposed to yes. fall in line too, you know, I mean, because it's, yes. it's a team sport endeavor and they're not, you know, playing their best for the team. Um, or like, you know, when, yeah. when, when we were all fighting ISIS, some of the worst people and yeah, Yazidis were a big victim of them, but a lot of victims of oppressive Muslims are usually Muslims. But for some reason, America yeah. never seems to remember that part. We act like Americans are yeah. the biggest victims of, you know, like yeah. bad Muslim governments, and it's usually Muslim.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although then yeah. it's unfortunate because it's unfortunate because that truth becomes twisted, like like everything, and, and, and perverted into well, that's yes, that's why we need to change their regime, and so the Muslims can they can live under a proper you know government of our choosing, and they'll yes. be better off for that. It always works perfect. I uh, yeah, it's it's important to note. I, I think the in both yeah, both cases there, you mentioned. I mean, I, my understanding is some of the some of the most uh, 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 some of the Jews who most oppose uh, Israel's disproportionate responses, and maybe even certain you know um, um, legal uh, and, and and institutional features of Israel itself, people who oppose that are some of the ultra orthodox Jews in Israel view the Israel state and the way it functions as against Judaism and what it demands. And, um, yeah. And, and everything, everything gets lumped into collective guilt, um, and collective punishment. Um, I've been accused, uh, you know, uh, um, of being a bad Jewish person for my views on Israel. Uh, and, and it's viewed as, as very integral to many Jews identity. Um, and, and often understandably so, but, but 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 still, um, to me, that's that's anti-Semitism of another flavor. I think the right wing ultimately, uh, it's not they're not just in so many cases horribly Islamophobic on these issues, but they in their rampant conflation of the Israeli state with Jews is itself anti-Semitic. And I'm you know I'm not the Israeli government, and neither are the Jews that happen to live in Israel. The Israeli government, state, and society are different things. People and the government that rules over them are different things. Um, and the same argument then licenses their Despicable attacks um, in Gaza, because, well, as we said, all Gazans are Hamas and all Hamas are Gazans. So there's anti-Semitism in, in that flavor. And you mentioned how the evangelicals, that, you know, the, that totally instrumentalize Jews in their apocalyptic uh, narrative. Um, and again, just identifying or conflating a people or a religion or ethnicity with a state and and Jews and non-Jews alike do it. Um and 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 it's to me it's the major problem with Zionism, as a as an entire project as an ideology, you know we, I'm a libertarian I don't think nationalism is the solution to anything I don't think I don't think using the state to fight oppression or racism or anti semitism is successful, um, uh, and, and but people forget these messages when it comes to Israel. And it's viewed differently, and it's not viewed as identity politics. It's not viewed yeah. as ethnic uh, nationalism. It's just it's not viewed as those things, um, even though it is.
1: And again, um, the origin of Israel, I have more empathy as its origins as a nation state because it's it's so purely. The rest of the world screwed us. They abandoned us. Never going to do that again. This is our. You know, we're not having any more Holocausts. Like. That's a much more sympathetic origin for a state, huh. but that's never going to work out because states are state. <clears throat> also there were already people living there. Um, yeah, so, yeah. and the religious, yes, mess of the intertwining that's, religious beliefs, yes, and desires. But yeah, you're, you're right about it. identity politics never applies there and never really applies to nation states when uh, right when people are critiquing identity politics for some yeah. reason. Yeah. That doesn't that they don't think that's the same thing. Um I've never, God
0: damn it Lucy, I'm an American and I'm against identity politics. But I'm an American first.
1: <laughs> that's a really good point. I have never been yeah, I I am not Jewish. I have been accused of being Jewish twice when I wrote about Nazis. And that was so, an interesting Sorry. Sentence. Um but I've never been told I have to support this. I've been told as a woman, I should be a mainstream Democrat. Um, that's about it, and that wasn't, you know, that's not a very <laughs> experience. No one told me I have to support a nation state somewhere I've never been because I am of a certain category, so I think- I kind
0: would- of love using that as like a really, like acting as if that were like a really, like lethal insult to throw at people. You, yeah. you should be a mainstream Democrat. I mean, you
1: know. a, that is a thing, but I don't
0: know. <laughs> that's pretty funny.
1: Vote blue, no matter. Just make lists,
0: lists of things we've been accused of. You've oh, got yeah. Jewish twice, and then mainstream Democrat.
1: <laughs> and I've gotten a lot of far right people being like, "Someday you'll understand. You'll, oh, you you, oh be sure, Oh, that's good. But you'll you'll understand eventually. You should be a
0: a conservative. Yeah, when you grow up. Yeah, when I grow when up, you your, when you up. When you enter your twenties.
1: Any day now, I'll become a conservative. I'm I sure. bet
0: when I'm twenty, when I'm twenty, I'll probably be an arch conservative. I'm sure. I might even be a monarchist. By the time I'm twenty, I'll have so much wisdom. By thirty, <laughs> I'll be an outright fascist.
1: That's the way. I shouldn't man- say. I shouldn't
0: say that. Because <laughs> that's, that's like still coming up.
1: Growing up, you know, you're twenty, you're like William F Buckley. By thirty, you're just a raving Nazi. It's
0: just, it's just oh
1: a God. biological. It's a part of growing up. We've all, we all go through it.
0: And then by forty, you're a Georgist.
1: <laughs> hey, I have, I have, I have minor sympathy for Georgism now.
0: <laughs> well, compared to some of the other things we're discussing, certainly so. But yeah,
1: it's looking pretty good compared to a lot of things. That's true.
0: I'll take Georgism.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I could, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, what a journey we had. Should
0: what we? Else? Should we uh, move on from? Um, From that, I feel like we've talked a lot about that. I wanted to talk about an article you wrote, which I really enjoyed. And I thought it would be good uh, fodder for discussion because you wrote that article about children's rights recently. You Um, you And I I really enjoyed it.
1: I, I appreciate that. You were one of the first people I talked to about children's rights back when I wasn't as convinced because I was thinking of the most dramatic examples of, like, a two-year-old wants to move out
0: ah. and
1: live with the, the neighbor who seems sketchy, like, like yeah. I think there are some unresolvable contradictions, but it's one of those things what where we're so far from even thinking about the concept of children's rights most of the time that if we, we need a dramatic yeah. swing in that direction is not going to be like, you're going to trial, you're going to trial because you grabbed your kid's arms because they were going to run into the street. Like, we can move yeah. Like with pacifism, we can move so far, so much closer, <laughs> without having to really iron out like the, the the most difficult bits yet. And
0: no, that's a good analogy.
1: The um the Daily Beast article I was desperately trying to introduce an overview of the very idea into a main kind of a mainstream, not C four ss type of publication. Um, and I don't know how well I succeeded, but I tried to talk about moms for liberty crap. Um, as a little yeah. bit of a hook because there are so many people who think that it's self-evident that, okay, you know, even the people who are like, you shouldn't be you know be telling school boards what books my kids can read. You can just tell your own kids what books they can read. And my thinking is, why yeah. do you get to decide <laughs> what books? yeah, trying- I was
0: gonna
1: <laughs> Until I was Angie gonna say like I I mean that would be crazy.
0: <clears throat> right, right. That is crazy. I think I should decide what books their kids should read because um, <laughs> like I, I think that's outlandish. Me, so I, I feel like
1: they wouldn't understand any of it, and they would never read again. And discuss. I'll give them some comics. Okay, that's fair. That's good. Um,
0: uh, well, yeah. I'm not surprised you explaining the uh, um, the rationale of your piece. I really, I mean, I, I I I feel like a lot of your pieces read that way, uh, which I've always really enjoyed with your writing. I think you're among the best uh, at balancing the kind of needs of journalism and writing to a diverse audience with um being principled and conveying like a genuine substantive view of yours um as well and 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 and, and not in any way that like waters it down or disguises it even because i think that i think those things are like immoral basically I, like dishonest essentially um but 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 speaking in plain and approachable language um and speaking to a diverse audience i think i kind of struggle with that um Probably because I, I, yeah, I read, I guess I read a fair bit of philosophy, you know, and stuff, and that tends to be a little verbose. There I go again. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, and I really enjoyed, too, your piece highlighting the kind of paradoxes you said, the kind of the kind of flip side issues where it's almost like we, we don't grant children any rights, but then we grant them too many rights at the same time in, in our society and, and the weirdness of that. Like you point out the how, how, uh, how many states where you can get married as a minor. Um, or, or like, especially like um, pointing out how like um, you know maybe you can get a job as a minor, um, but otherwise your property like other like you can't have a sa- you can't have a savings account. So, then, so then in what sense there's this paradox or this gap there? And um, well, so I mean, that was actually really thought provoking.
1: Your your parent can open a savings account for you and beyond. I think I had that. One well, up. no,
0: yes, I think when you're like 14, yeah, you can have like a co account, but you're not allowed to have one of your own if you. If you have, because which you should, right? If you have, if you're allowed to have a job, yeah. then why can't you save that money in your own? That's exactly the paradox that's happening, you know.
1: I mean, your parents can take all of your money. Um, yeah. There's a thing in California called it's like a Jackie law. Jackie Coogan I mean, law. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's only in California, where and it's not even a big yeah. percentage of a child like actor, etc.'s wages that has to go into an account for them. It's like ten percent or something. And in other places, they don't even have that. There's been some recent talk about children of influencers, you know, people who have been filmed on YouTube their whole lives. There was that, again, there was a a whole conflict with the one daughter who kind of broke away a little bit um, in her book, which I haven't read, but about the financial aspects of the the patriarch was getting a ton of money from their reality show that tormented them, gave them no privacy in their lives. And they were getting minimum wage after fighting for it. There was no set aside. Okay, all the kids get this no. much. No, it was just like the dad gets the money because, yeah, I mean, it's absurd.
0: Yeah. Yes. And you, and you, and you, that's, uh, there's an interesting parallel there. I mean, you, you draw the parallel in your article um, about how, you know, people thought women's suffrage would just double the, the man's vote, the household man's vote in effect, which I have never even really heard or thought of that argument, which is makes sense that people said that, but not a good argument. <laughs> um, and there's an interesting parallel there um, 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 to um, to what were we were just talking about.
1: With the um, <laughs> to
0: the to um...
1: finance or work?
0: What? Oh 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 oh! I feel like I forgot the analogy now that I that I that I meant to make. <laughs> so I don't know. You gotta stay in school, kids.
1: <laughs> or don't. I mean, it's not. But,
0: <laughs> well it's, it's interesting that um like i the jackie hoogan law is kind of interesting though it's really depressing because it's just this niche that they carved out to like better exploit child actors and now it's just a, a like like yeah. it's weird how we make this exception like like you can't do child labor but child acting when in fact that that is has its own wild set of of, of, of possible negative consequences you I know so what, 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 what there's
1: we can see the negative consequences in um, lots of real humans. Like I read the,
0: yeah.
1: the Jeanette McCurdy book, I'm Glad My Mom Died, where she had no oh, yeah? She ended up on Disney Channel. Um, She had no interest in being yeah. an actor at any point in her life, but her mom sure did, and there she was, you know? And like,
0: ooh, I've yeah. seen a lot from that. Um, I didn't read the book, but I've, I've read a number of excerpts, um, and it's, it's really depressing. It's, it's um. Different. Read it's Oscar horrible. Now. And that's, glad your mom died yeah, too,
1: Jeanette. Like.
0: Yeah. It's a real shame. I used to see her on TV. I have the same birthday as Jeanette McCurdy. And then it's, um, then all, you know, all this stuff about it, it, it makes you feel bad in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, you know, watch her on TV or something growing up. Um, and it's a shame that parents have that kind of, of, of authority. I
1: also, the thing with the child uh, marriage I actually found that the ACLU of California was wrong about that, which I, they're, you know, they're not usually wrong that much, but when they were trying to change the law about under 18 marriages in California, the ACLU was against that. And it's a bit of a contradiction because, Oh, getting married, surely you it's almost like emancipation. So like, isn't that a good thing if you want teens to have more rights, but it never turns out that way. Because they don't have yeah. all the other rights of an adult. Yeah. It's a way of trapping someone with someone else. And if you come from, say, a religious oppressive community where they're encouraging, to say nicely, you to marry someone older, and then you're with him yeah. and you're trapped with him, you might as well be his child, except with even more disturbing possibilities in terms of trapping you. I mean, it's just, yeah. it doesn't work. Like,. Also, as I said in the article, like, I think that you need certain possibilities for teen employment, you know, things like teenage, like sex work, um, things like that, where people frequently do it out of desperation. If they're a runaway or something, it's the best thing they can do. You can't go work in a store if you're 15. Maybe you can trade, you know, sexual things with someone to stay with them. Stuff you don't want to happen, but you can understand how it happens. You want safer opportunities kids who have just you know parents they can't live with there's it's not going to work but we don't want what we have now plus 13 year olds working in a slaughterhouse at night like insane shit that republicans seem to want to happen like i, I mean you you know you can make these arguments that any little bit of rights is, is is in the right direction but in this case it's i don't think it is it's like you know women's suffrage but more extreme in terms of like than that ever was in terms of children being property, and
0: yeah, I don't know how to yeah. fix
1: it, but there's something very wrong. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think it's it's frustrating, thorniness. I I do agree. How how do how to cash out? It's easy to say children's rights, but but um, their brains are what squishy. That means.
1: They don't like you. You don't know as much. You're not as in control, you know, until you're 25 or whatever. So some people have turned that into well, I guess until you're 25, you be a child now. But it's just not being. My, under- at
0: all. my my novice understanding is a lot of that stuff that uh, excessively uh, centers supposed brain development until you're 24, 25 is kind of on bullshit grounds. Um, maybe people can 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 correct me or point to more things. Um, our listeners and viewers but uh that's one of the most annoying arguments to me in a lot of different scenarios and topics um that um plays on like weird like weirdly intuitive things but like not necessarily anything grounded um scientifically um in terms of like just for everyone like when you're 24 25 you're that's you now now the brain um the kitchen stopped. timer and the brain you're the dumb. brain <laughs>
1: Your brain is all cooked
0: oh my god <laughs> um but like my like the brain continues to change as as you get older through very you know your entire life right your whole body is this it's like how the brain not no part of your body just somehow reaches a state and then well now it's the same for the rest of your life plasticity I mean,
1: um, is a thing but as far as my understanding yeah, yes. is by the time you're about seven or eight that's not that's already kind of not a factor anymore like if you're if you're really abused, um, you know, in the first five years of your life, you're going to have a real hard time. I'm sorry. The first, like, eight years of your life, you're going to have real time. You can't recover fully from that. Um, right. There was a really grim yeah. child abuse case in the 70s where a girl was locked in a room for about 13 years. And they tried to figure out how much she could recover. And it was obviously not, you know, at a, to a normal level. Like, there's something there, but... Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it overly simplified
0: to think. Well, twenty-five. Okay, it's all. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not denying brain plasticity. If anything, I'm saying it just people are saying brain plasticity ends at a certain arbitrary cutoff point, and that's my understanding is not at all the case. That your, your your brain plasticity carries on throughout life, uh, and what experiences you have. Um, and whatever the case, really, it's, it's still a bad argument, um, for taking people's rights away or thinking other people like have more wisdom or right to, to be in charge of their lives, um, in general. Now, now I, I agree, as you say, obviously, and in which the article, you know, you talk about the difficulty in balancing, um, uh, children are not, um, full self authors. Um, and, 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 you know, so, so they take help and guidance, like you say, uh, I think so, um, how, how does that how does that cash out while respecting their rights is is, is really thorny. Um, well, I do appreciate do, your article pushing it in the right direction without going above and be and you know staying like kind of you know having humility about how it cashes out, but clearly the direction should be a certain way.
1: My the first response I saw to the article on Twitter was someone calling me a statist.
0: <laughs> For what? For they just <laughs> the they just saw the headline and well, it's interesting because. I don't know. I mean, youth rights, children's rights has been like totally corrupted in my experience the last couple years in the discourse because of, you know, insane um, uh, homophobic and transphobic paranoia, trying, or in some cases, anti Semitism, tying those things and those groups into being predators of children um, and abusers and and et cetera. Um, Because I've gotten tons of uh, responses like that whenever I mention youth rights, um, on the internet or like on, on Twitter, um, you know, Oh, define, you know, define everything from define youth rights to get the wood chipper to, okay, Mr. Weinstein to, you know, to the whole, the whole, the whole parade of you use the phrase youth rights, you, you must endorse child abuse. Um, uh, because that's now the world we're living in where that term and that, and that, um, integral aspect of justice and and extension of rights, um as you argue in the article, um, is now to- now totally distorted uh in-, in in discussion.
1: That would be slightly closer to reasonable in like the seventies. Um I mean not all of that obviously, but because of the seventies I feel like people right. flirted more with like my husband and I joke about everyone was sounds creepy in the seventies. Like NAMBLE <laughs> it's closest to being extremely yeah. accepted. Like there was some Yeah. Every rock star you like from that era was sleeping with groupies yeah. or <laughs> yeah. who were, you know, yep. 14. Like,
0: <sighs> yep. But, um, yeah. Should... Uh, uh... No, you also have, you know, like, uh, a- academic stuff. I mean, you have Foucault who people harp on this to attack, like, to make bad faith attacks. But then also, yes, there's the truth of Foucault and a bunch of other postmodernists. Um, saying some really sketchy stuff on this topic, um, if not outright terrible stuff on it, and and even signing letters um, um, in support uh, of changing certain laws in in, in these ways. Um, And so I feel like that is just, uh, though, harped on and sort of used as like a bad faith kernel by a lot of people to like attack an entire set of views or something, or impugn an entire set of views or group of people um, as well. I mean, each of those cases I think you mentioned are. Like Namble, I mean that's huge, you know. The, yeah. the others, all of them. I mean, they can just
1: I was gonna say that um, Jesse Walker, my friend from Reason, wrote a piece kind of about the history in the 70s when this, you know, these things flirted with mainstream acceptance for a minute. As a contrast with now and the groomer bullshit. And also as yeah. a con like, surely if you've been on the internet too much, you can see usually Gen Z people being like, Oh, 18 year old dating a 20 year old that sounds problematic like you can like you can make fun of it but there's an element almost of over being like oh an age gap you know um which kind of speaks to the fact that we're getting farther away from the creepy nabla 70s shit almost like the groomer shit is complete bullshit um and yeah like we could get insane about that my parents have a nine-year age difference like uh i have a four-year age difference husband so obviously it's all problematic but like the idea that we're on the cusp of like yay pedophilia quote that out of um is is, is nonsense you know just looking at people's attitudes like just be i agree (laughs) people are getting really weird about that and you know pedophilia should never be normalized obviously i think that by ignoring it we're not helping people and trying to fix it by Helping people admit if they have problems, you know, is working better than dead secret until we arrest you if we happen to catch you if you actually commit oh, sure. aggression, you know. <clears throat> I'm not normalizing sure. like in the in the parade about it.
0: Um, yeah, so why yeah. I'm talking
1: like the right wing people, at least the people who originated this, are remotely, um, like t- like on good faith in any way. Um, Chris wrote.
0: wrote yeah, wrote, I think this. it's a mix of bad faith and like, um, sort of manipulated or weaponized paranoia. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, 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 do, I agree with you. If anything, you know, the, the only, the only realm, it seems to me in which people still, uh, stridently normalize something that comes close to pedophilia is what he talked about in the article, which is the right wing defenses of child marriage, Correct. Um, right. and, and, and those relationships.
1: Now, I assuming that the the state representative, I had to quote him. My editor, let me keep it in because the quote was so perfect. Talk, the the state representative in you know against raising the age to eighteen, said he knew a twelve and thirteen year old who got married like a decade or two ago, and it worked out great. And he, and he then said it's the parents' right to make that decision. Yeah. Which is an insane thing to say.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a parent's right to encourage a 12 and 13 year old to get married. I don't know if anyone was pregnant or not. That's another thing. It's a great way to get rid of anyone embarrassing and pregnant. Just shove them off towards, yeah. you know, the father of the child. Um,
0: yeah. Well, it's an entirely, you know, like a lot of things, I think, and and power structures that we're kind of navigating and, and, and trying our best to navigate. But like, it's this false binary of parents versus government and people view people tend to side on like, Oh, the abuses of one tend to be a little more than the abuses of the other. So then I have to depend on the other one as like a counterweight to the right. initial one. And so they end up, I think with some good faith disagreements on that dispute um, and trying, but I think the problem underlying, right. Is trying to navigate what ultimately it should be more up to the child, as you say in the article. Um, and we're ignoring a third option. We're assuming this shared um, uh, mistake of assuming, um, that children are just property of parents or government or share. Right.
1: Choose one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or even an uneasy sharing thing. Um, and there are three parties yeah. at, at, at least there are three parties involved. Um, you can get more, you know, more particular than that. But I feel like a betrayer of a former homeschooler because I'm getting more uncomfortable with certain homeschool. You know, my My parents were good. Um, I was not sheltered from the world. I was a weirdo. I just read magazines and books and newspapers all day. And I kind of knew what was what I wasn't, you know, I don't think I was ill treated at all. I don't, I'm glad I didn't go to school. I didn't want to go to school. I don't want people to conclude from this, that public school and like a strict curriculum and daily visits from a social worker or whatever is going to fix it. But realistically there's been a million abused kids who went to public school and, and, and nobody paid attention. Like that's obviously a thing, but the best way yeah. to be totally off the grid is to be totally off the grid. If your kid, maybe no one knows they even exist. You know, um, there's nobody out there who can see right. the child, see if they're skinny or bruised or something. Just as a pure safety measure, somebody has to know that kids exist because yeah, And an example I had to cut out was the Turpin family, who were a homeschooled family who were found um, because the little badass teen jumped out the window and got the cops after years of abuse. Um, And at least half of the 13 children, I think, were over 18. So you could be like, well, they could have left. Well, sure, except their entire life, was spent being warped by their horrible parents. They had no resources, no education. I mean, at some point, you have to pick an arbitrary age of adulthood, I think. I can't think of a better way, but you you also can't be like, well, you're an adult, so you could have left. I mean, because of the inherent power that parents have over kids. They they mold their whole world. And the more abusive they are, and the more they keep you away from the rest of the world, the more control over who you are they have. And it's too much.
0: Yeah, um, I feel, again, you know, just the false binary. It's like, again, I'm picking either Israeli government or Hamas or something. (laughs) I have to pick either abusive home life or abusive government life. Um, I don't know. It's always intention in all of human society, the private and public spheres. And there's a tendency far uh, too much with libertarians to think that the private sphere is... um, like uh, just a pure manifestation of like your own like rights and and, yeah. and what to do and any intrusion or something is, um, by the outside world, whether government or, or other non-governmental, um, even to defend, even to protect the rights of another person in your household counts as some sort of statist or, or rights violating aggression. And I mean, that's just preposterous. Um, Unfortunately, the family and home life and the private sphere has been historically one of the least libertarian spaces and and one of the most violent uh, and sexist ageist spaces um, and and not conducive to autonomy and uh, self-authorship. This is the whole dispute. This is this is the tension with with the marketplace and markets giving um, uh, a a valve or an exit to uh, abusive home life more so than had existed prior. But now you can perhaps earn an income and a living and a a place to stay um, untethered from your parents, um, authority and approval um, and income stream. Uh, And this is the tension of people, I think, who tend to ignore the family's abuses and and worship it uh, far too much. um, And then and and um, see these, these valves as dangerous and public life itself then becomes some sort of threat into the what should anything only be secular, private. anything
1: public anything yeah just
0: anything well yeah and it gets mindset. particularly tied into religion um mm, it is the tent that yeah of course and, and and uh with homeschooling i i yeah i uh i think you would have been weird whether you're homeschooled or not so it's not about that <laughs> but um yeah, it's it's a shame that um again just too far to one side, you know. Oh, well there's these instances of abuse. Well, then we should just ban homeschooling. Right. And then, you know, uh it's it's pretty it's it's an absurd leap of logic and and that's a really utterly authoritarian in my view. I don't like to I don't like seeing the the popularity sometimes on the left and among some liberals about views um, like you can't homeschool or 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 right. or, or that's inherently authoritarian. Uh, no, it can be done in authoritarian ways, but doesn't have to be. In many cases, isn't. It would be a terrible injustice to stop those other cases.
1: So we got to do something. I just don't know what.
0: <laughs> That's the general um, message and takeaway from our show, I think, and in life, in my everyday life, we got to do something. Well, something for sure.
1: I was going to say, in the case of the uh, the Turpin child who escaped, her realization that the outside world was out there came from a phone and came particularly from Justin Bieber videos. And I just love that. It's, Cause that's amazing. Of, I mean, that shit happens, happen in North Korea. Sometimes, you know, with people risking yeah. their lives to smuggle like South Korean yeah. soap operas on, uh, flash drives just, yeah, that's the thing. Um, you know, secular culture, trashy culture, my mainstream culture, if all you have is the authoritarian tiny circumstances of where you are, that can be, I don't know, that can be, like, the most liberatory thing possible, which I find so interesting. Like, you could argue that, that it is inherently oppressive to keep such tight control over children, like, not let them leave that, like, there's clearly...
0: Oh, Absolutely.
1: I don't know how to fix this, but you can't, it's, that's not working when you have that type of, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And, and just the yeah. fact that people, again, Hoppeites uh, want authoritarianism on a localized scale. They like it. They think it's good. Yeah. It reinforces yeah. patriarchal views, religious views. They like yeah. it. And so even if yeah. I think the state is the biggest, most dangerous thing, which I do, I now realize that to ignore other institutions is foolish, especially the home and the family, which is the hardest one to get into a liberatory shape, but certainly more has to be done there.
0: Yeah. um, I I agree uh, wholeheartedly um, about the the necessity and the importance of the issue, but then the complexity. I think feminism has done a very interesting and um, looking from the looking um, Historically wise, very surprising victory and making the home more uh, libertarian and more yeah. open to self-authorship and 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 like you say, you know, in some ways the next step then is how to do this with children who themselves aren't full self authors yet uh, mm-hmm. is even more difficult and maybe it's, and then, you know is Um I
1: like <clears> to see any kind of optimism about strides, though, because. <laughs> people hate people are allergic to optimism so your shout out to feminism actually doing some good work that's nice shout out
0: to feminism
1: good job um
0: people are also allergic to pessimism i don't know um depends on time of day or the mood but
1: some occasionally things get better
0: you know what i'm allergic to halloween (laughs) just enough Um,
1: I don't know when this will be released, so maybe this will be about next Halloween. Who knows? Um, got any Halloween plans there in the last few minutes?
0: No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't really like Halloween. How come? Um, I think it's kind of dumb. And um, I'm just not interested in, in your antics and your tomfoolery to, uh, right now.
1: It's because you're an in, old gen- comp-
0: And in general-
1: with a majestic beard, and you, the children are haranguing
0: you. My wife, my wife loves Halloween, and she dresses up and loves to give out candy um, to the trick or treaters.
1: And you just read and, Foucault inside, just like eating. Yep, like specifically,
0: dough. that's my Halloween tradition: reading Foucault. Brand muffins, I don't know. <laughs> eating brand muffins and reading Foucault every Halloween, baby. Yes. <laughs> What else would I be doing with my time? If you're doing anything else with your time on Halloween night, you're a heathen and a degenerate.
1: Um, do you like any holidays?
0: Oh, I love holidays, okay. and I love like insofar Halloween is like a like a celebratory holiday rather than like an annoying like an, like tradition. Just mm-hmm. are you pro or anti Halloween? You're kind of playing your cards so it's close to chest.
1: <laughs> I'm very pro-Halloween. I don't feel as usual. The last decade or two, I haven't been very, like, I don't, I don't make elaborate costumes. I don't plan far ahead. But whimsy and candy and vaguely spooky, all of these are good things. So, And I, I had a great, what I, I'm starting to realize might be like a 1950s childhood Halloween. My friend, who is the exact same age almost, was saying she went trick-or-treating at night like once in her childhood. I was like, I I I become an old man when I like yo. You go trick or treating at two p.m. at the mall on a the twenty eighth because otherwise, strangers will poison your candy. In my day, we did it at night, even if it was a weekday. It was dark, and we walked, so we earned that candy.
0: Um, Well, you know,
1: it was just it was good. It was it was a good childhood thing.
0: Well, I'm glad you had a good childhood and a good Halloween and that the 1950s were good to you. Uh, (laughs) But um, (laughs) I don't, from my experience, I don't really have a strong position on um, when trick-or-treating should or shouldn't take place, except never. But um, moving around, I think it might be a location thing. Like when I lived in New York, people trick-or-treated right after school, like you said, and during when light was still out. But when I moved to Virginia, I lived in Northern Virginia for a part of my life. There, they were a rambunctious bunch. They waited till it was nighttime. And I think it might just have to do with, like, well, you know, which place was safer at night? (laughs) Like, I feel like that actually might, like, what kind of, like, place do you live? And, like, is it very urban or, like, very, like, just not that many houses around? And, like, you know, or or are you living in New York? Um, People, I think people just disagree on, on when to do it based on where they live.
1: People are also okay. insane though about um, stranger danger, and they were in the nineties
0: too. of oh, course, just, of course. Oh, I think there's a paranoia about about that. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not again. I'm not really like saying any and one way or the other is better. Um, I, I, but I, I love, Halloween does bring out the paranoia.
1: The upheaval of the night where you are requesting candy from strangers is delightful. <clears throat> like the normal, you know, the normal rules do not apply. Don't take candy from strangers, except the one night where you request it. It's it's delightful.
0: You just like transgressiveness for its own sake. It seems like, especially when it I find candy, I de- find deplorable. <laughs> I do like candy. I, maybe I'll get some candy and just not give it out to anyone else. That would I that count as never, me celebrating Halloween?
1: I've never given out candy. One of these days, I'll actually do it. Because where we do you live, got, my parents lived that you just like no one it was at the top of a spooky hill, so no one would ever come up there.
0: Oh, you got no trick-or-treaters?
1: No, yeah. I don't know
0: if you pretend not to be home.
1: <laughs> no That's nobody would come up. <laughs> it's just...
0: Oh uh, Well, you need to make them more enticing, clearly. Should Maybe try luring them in with, with candy. Yeah,
1: should have been a whole thing.
0: You could um. give them, you know, uh, like, libertarian books. Maybe that'll <laughs> bring the trick-or-treaters out.
1: My father would definitely do that if he was, like, on them.
0: Yeah. You could just print out your own articles. Be like, "Hey, I wrote this."
1: <laughs> That's a terrible.
0: Have, t- have you heard of children's rights? <laughs> well, you have the right to get off my lawn, but take my article first. And happy Halloween
1: to go with it. Just to soften the
0: No, I would still keep the candy, but but uh-huh. the other stuff, yeah.
1: The candy is just free.
0: I don't uh- understand giving away candy. That's a weird <laughs> talk about
1: your Rand, your your Randianness is coming out all of a sudden. Your secret, just a sprinkle of objectivism, is there.
0: I don't know if Rand had a problem with giving out candy. She probably refused to like give out cigarettes and speed. Like she'd want to like haul you know all that to herself. But which I guess the kind of it's like the candy for adults. You know.
1: <laughs> I don't know but, when to get that free though. Maybe some somewhere someone will.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe trick or treating in the future will be this way i like to think so kids get um, candy adults adults get you know some, some cigarettes maybe
1: do you plan do you, do you um ever watch spooky movies on halloween do you have any
0: intentions yeah that? yeah i like uh movies so um last couple years me and my wife just like do a total horror movie marathon and during all of october just like totally inundate ourselves with scary movies taking turns picking movies and I gotta tell you, last year it went. It got to the point where we were both having nightmares. I mean, we'd, oh, no. we'd be watching, we'd be watching like two horror movies a night. So it's like sixty movies in the month. Maybe not that many, but on average. Oh, yeah. So it was like it was like, we like movies. So so far, no nothing problematic this year. We've been enjoying the movies. Uh, we've watched the Saw franchise. I enjoy the Saw franchise, and the new one came out. So I've never seen
1: those, but I have read about them on Wikipedia. They seem very silly.
0: They are very silly. There's such good silliness and fun. My wife picks more elevated, uh, serious horror movies. Probably, and probably uh, better, I but.
1: don't slashery sadism. I don't because I would just cover my eyes through most of it. So, sort of, what would the
0: point? Well, do you be like what, like what movie kind movies? of spooky movies do you like?
1: Well, the last moderately spooky. I mean, like I watched Train. I rewatched Train to Busan um, a couple weeks ago. I, made my I don't book. know what that is. That is a South Korean zombie movie. Um, it's oh, really shit. good. I like it a lot. Okay, it's actually very sure. very devastating okay. at the end. Um, but I actually, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh and I am very near the origin of modern zombieism because George Romero, um, there is a horrible abandoned mall where Night of the Living Dead was filmed that's not so far away. So I come from zombie land. So. Over the last, like, five years, I've actually finally gotten on board with zombies, and I'm actually quite partial to them, it turns out. Um, but Shaun of the Dead is still the best one, because British people are good at movies.
0: What's the appeal of the zombie genre? I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't get it. I've seen a couple. It's never done much for me.
1: I mean, it... I guess, you know, for me, I, I suddenly realized that part of it is clearly that it is, a, it is a Venn diagram middle of apocalyptic and horror a lot of the time. And I I love Apocalypse movies. Um,
0: Okay.
1: So, I don't don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why is the... Like, I I always roll my eyes at people talking about how uh, Dawn of the Dead is like, oh, it's a commentary on capitalism, bro. Because they go to the mall and hide. I'm like, yeah, but that mall had a bunch of shit that kept them alive. It's not actually a very good commentary. (laughs) The mall actually helped them. So, like, I don't know what or like in I never seen dead, the, one of the Dead*. Not a living Dead, the person is a black man um yeah and it was from the late 60s so that and he was like a you know like a, a regular like serious like protagonist and just by virtue of the time and stuff that seems vaguely transgressive and like you know good obviously um but George Romero also said that he just cast him because he cast him, and it wasn't. So you can you can put your own sort of you know, uh, you can get you can get something out of it that maybe wasn't even put there in the first place. But um... yeah,
0: I feel like that's the fun of movies and art in a lot of way. I mean, I love to talk about what the author may have intended. You know, look at their lives and and their um, all their movies together. But then also whatever you can get out of it yourself.
1: Yeah, it's not always like um. Whenever I hear Spike Lee talk about, um, oh my god, do the right thing, do the right thing, yeah, <laughs> he's always like, oh, obviously, it was the right decision for his character to burn the pizza shop. Um, it's been a couple of years since I saw that movie, though. I didn't did I'm like, I don't know that it's obvious, Spike. I didn't get i didn't get anything obvious out of it but he thinks it's obvious and i think there's a little more ambiguity on screen a little more conflict um so you know i don't know uh
0: we'll talk about a complex uh movie to to analyze and sort of uh, you know morally audit uh that's up there do the right thing very you know a lot of parties and, and viewpoints that play in that movie kind of what makes it so interesting i think um we're talking about a lot about this lately with Scorsese. You know, he has a new movie coming out. And his movies, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese's movies kind of famously seem to be about not so good people. You know, yeah. uh, uh, gangsters and, uh, you know, uh, vigilante taxi drivers. And
1: um, I have not seen many so, of his movies. He's definitely on my list. Oh,
0: okay.
1: I've seen half of Taxi Driver. I fell asleep watching it, but only because it was like three in the morning uh not because it was like boring um, but some of the like the staples i suppose stereotypically male cinema guy staples i haven't seen a lot of them like i have yet to see the godfather or goodfellas all the movies about organized crime i have not yet watched
0: yeah sure oh, have you seen um high school musical 2 that's my favorite scorsese movie i think um
1: no but is it coppola who directed jack which is a God,
0: awful. Oh man, you are you are you asking to just? We're like an hour and a half in, and you're just asking for, to for me to to get all riled up again, you know? No, I um Why I so the have... god the god so Coppola um has directed some great movies, including also, Jack.
1: I absolutely confused them by the way. Coppola and Scorsese. That's okay.
0: That's okay. Um, Coppola did the Godfather's movies, and and Scorsese did the Goodfellas. And they're all really good. I really, I'm a total Jack defender. Coppola himself defends oh. Jack. He's like people. He's like people thought I just made movies like The Godfather. And and so Jack I, is such a fun. What if Progeria
1: Jack was wacky? That's what that movie is. What if Progeria was wacky? Progeria.
0: I don't mean, know what that means.
1: Progeria is the real disease that causes oh kills children. Okay. And makes they don't okay. look like Robin Williams, but they look wizened and
0: right and
1: old, I okay. suppose, in ways. And they die when they're a teenager, so right. literally Jack is like, "What if it was fun, like wacky with Robin Williams?" <laughs> I
0: well, that. I don't think that movie. I mean, is it's very um, sentimental, but I like that about <laughs> it. Um, it's not all fun. I mean, in fact, I think it sort of got lame and maybe people don't know how to react to it because it is a shuffling around of a lot of weird tones.
1: Of, yeah, like fun, fun of,
0: like, fun, like, Jack, yeah. like, playing basketball and having fun, to, like, Jack, like, being in a nightclub, like, getting beat up because he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and he's wearing, like, light up shoes. And I don't know. That movie always resonated to me as a kid. Admittedly, not a popular movie, but one I will always defend. As, as, I also hate as, Big,
1: if that helps, which is.
0: <laughs> I guess you're consistent. Um, I guess so. I, I like Jack even more than Big. I think Jack is more, um, philosophical but uh but i also enjoy big i guess you just don't like these kinds of movies do you like 13 going on 30 or
1: i mean it's which more also like, good it goes also down easier movie. in terms of like it doesn't annoy me in the same way it's just sort of i don't know <laughs> i wouldn't speak for well that anyway
0: them, <laughs> well anyway scorsese's movies though like you know people criticize them for are they in- in- endorsing the bad behaviors of its of their protagonists, you know, it's
1: a pretty show. Most,
0: most of the time. <laughs> oh, I, I completely agree. I completely agree, but it's just a matter of what we were discussing in terms of like, well, does it matter? First of all, like what they intended, like what if the rural reaction has, you know, I mean, taxi driver more or less prompted uh, an assassination attempt of at Ronald Reagan. Um, sure. but That's not, but Ronald Reagan wasn't a great president. So <laughs> it, let no, I'm not, not sure endorsing anything like that what
1: um, <laughs> um i think it matters what like the, the makers of the art intended and it matters what you get out of it like i think that's just one of yeah you know,
0: yeah i agree it's silly to dismiss um because of what you take to be the intentions which you may be wrong about but even if you're not it's there's so much more
1: so if you watch like i don't know triumph of the will and you like i don't see nazism at all then i'll be like well it's there <laughs> like at some point. Well, yeah, I think
0: I mean, I think there's just like you could interpret I do think there's right there's better and worse interpretations. Um yeah. it's just, you know, um like that would obviously be like a terrible and just wrong interpretation of what of what the movie is. <laughs> um like but like it's easier to, you know, to to figure out what's the movie depicting versus what is it right endorsing, I guess. Right, uh, that's, the real, that's the real that's the rub. So cool. I mean, it's hard to but, if you, but also, if you think Triumph of the Will is, like, not endorsing... Admittedly, I've never seen Triumph of the Will, but I've read about it, and it, I'm I've pretty sure it's endorsing Nazism.
1: I've seen documentaries about Lenny Rivenstahl. If nothing else, she was the most money okay. person in the world. It's more... There is, you know, all the... Okay. The whole over, overlap yeah. between beautiful human form and fascism is a whole thing. Like, there's a... You know. There's a whole thing. <laughs>
0: what? It's a whole thing. Okay, well... It's a whole thing. We don't have time for it, listeners and viewers, because it's um, reportedly a whole thing.
1: It's true. Um,
0: well, what's your favorite spooky movie? Do you want to land on that? Do we have a favorite? It's or a couple? I really
1: to pick just one. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw down. I love a, not- a Nazi. Wow. Okay. That was weird. Oh. Um, we were just talking about that. No, no, that's wrong. Okay, I love an alien. That's not the same thing. A, a movie... Cause what alien? Actually,
0: What's their name? I
1: do... That freak me out. Um, alien movies tend to freak me out a little bit, because they really did when I was little. Um, like E.T.? Uh, that. Not when the government's actually scarier, I think. Um, <laughs> just like in real life. Uh, I, I, I uh-huh. often rewatch Signs, which... Prop doesn't make sense if you think too hard about it, but has mwah, just the most beautiful, uh, menace I, mean, I don't
0: know if I saw it.
1: It's very, it's a, it's very claustrophobic. I just said I liked apocalypse movies. This is kind of the opposite because it's one family in an apocalypse potential situation. Claustrophobic, aliens are lurking. It's in Pennsylvania. I don't care if it just makes sense at the end, it just has a great atmosphere. Um, I also love the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, because it's just it's a it's a a fifties classic. I don't know.
0: And you love the fifties, as we've established. (laughs) No,
1: I do not. But that movie's kind of. Oh, okay. And again, oh by the way, to tie that back, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. People are like, oh, it's about communism. Oh, it's about McCarthyism. Oh, it's about maybe it's either. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Horror is ripe for that, with you know, whether intended or or projected, uh, you know, this these these symb- uh, symbols and allegories for all sorts of things you can imagine: um, mm-hmm. political ideologies, sexual minorities, racial minorities, everything. It's, it's very interesting. I personally think is. I personally think the entire Saw franchise is is all about the Israel Palestine conflict, <laughs> and people don't really see that in um, those movies. But, um, I
1: mean, yeah, I haven't uh, seen my favorites. <laughs> bet it's
0: not you should you should then you'd understand israel palestine um but um i like the movie. they're underrated they're really fun and unique and um like frenetic sort of just uh great twists um i recommend them you should give them a chance i mean they're not for everyone because they're very um like visual and gory but that's not that that's the least interesting or fun part about them i enjoy the plots and they develop this sort of lore and mythology throughout as the series develops, with like you know disorienting yourself with where you are in the story and the timeline and the parties that are all kind of involved. They're very interesting in that way. Um, I also love the Halloween franchise. We watched that one last year. Now it also like has the original just the first just first. like the Saw movies has some sinkers, but as any mm-hmm. franchise does. But um, well, the original is the best. Maybe you should stop while you're ahead. I mean, the original is far superior to, to the others.
1: It's possible. But
0: a fun, a fun franchise that like reboots like over and over again. So it's kind of like fun to get to get into the different parallel worlds of where Halloween goes or could go. Um, my favorite spooky movie is kind of an un, unknown movie. It's called The Vanishing. Uh, it's an '80s uh, European movie. Um, I think half French, half Dutch. But so subtitles are good, which which you should try out. The you could watch this, and it's really it's not your traditional it's maybe more into the thriller side. I really enjoy it. It's called the vanishing. It's about like, without, I can't really give too much away, but it's about a man whose girlfriend is uh, kidnapped. And, um, he's like, uh, obsessed with knowing what happened and figuring out what happened. And the movie just plays with, with, with knowledge and with, and with lack of knowledge with ignorance and like the, the fright and the horror of the not knowing about the world and the not knowing certain things and the drive and almost like, almost like, um, Death drive and and self destructive wish uh, of to know certain things uh, at all costs, um, and so and so the movie just very interesting on that level, and I find I, I find that much scarier than you know all the gore all the fake guts in the world, which I don't really care about, but, um,
1: so if but and all the jump scares and everything. Story, how very you? Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> well, I think people would like it. Stanley Kubrick said it was the the scariest movie he ever saw. So I'll take any moment. I'll take any chance to maybe agree with Cooper's taste in film, but
1: intriguing enough to
0: one, yeah, yeah. I'd be really curious. What do you think about it? Um, if you if you get if you is on something or something, I think you would like it. It's just yeah, it's that's it's 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 very um meditative and and but in in that scary way. Maybe it's hard to describe, but it's so different than these other horror movies, which can be great, but you know are very aggressive. Uh, Another yeah. you know, I guess for lack of a better word. Um,
1: I like spooky disappearance things too. Um... There's, a, there's mm. an inherent fascination with disappearance. Or did yeah. they ever exist at all? Which is like a sub...
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. That That is fun. It's kind of its whole genre, and I would say that.
1: Hmm. Um, well, well, my goodness. I do not regret one thing except the first five minutes of this podcast. Everything else? Mwah, it was gold, Jerry. No, I think so, the first
0: five minutes also were good, but...
1: Um, we better wrap this up though. I'm going to do, I'm going to go do laundry. That's my exciting task.
0: Oh, Um, have fun. Have fun. That's awesome. I'm really glad for you. Having fresh Um, laundry
1: is nice though. You feel powerful. (laughs) Like every door is (laughs) open to you.
0: (laughs) I feel rejuvenated and reborn when uh, I put on my freshly clean clothes. It's, It's true. Um, Well, Well, thanks for being with us, uh, fans and non-fans as well. I'm sure there's more of the the latter.
1: Especially our the The
0: the people watching uh, to feel hatred and to um, to hate hate Mm -hmm. us. It's true. Uh, We'll
1: see you again around a month from whenever this is released. We'll see you
0: again next month.
1: We should talk about... Thanksgiving and maybe animal rights and delicious gravy. Oh,
0: oh okay, sure. Just let's do idea. it. Let's um, give thanks. Let's um, let's give leave other any
1: things. indigenous peoples alone, if um, you know, and not bother them. Yes,
0: a indigenous people. Um, yeah. And uh, turkeys, <laughs> leave them alone.
1: I, I will. Even the,
0: if they're not doing people. nothing to you. They're not doing right. nothing to you. We, we should mention have- this now, because we now otherwise we'll do it after Thanksgiving. You fucks, you're listening. I guess I'm just trying playing up to that kind of caricature of a of, a, of an animal rights person, yeah, but make- it's true. You should leave the turkeys alone. Gravy.
1: Onion gravy, mushroom gravy, delicious yeah. mushroom. Go for that. Yeah,
0: lots of options. Lots of we options. We can
1: talk about how creepy the pardoning of the turkeys is for a president to do
0: on super levels. creepy. But if you're if you're on the fence, get that tofurkey to the side. They're actually better than you think. I let my mom, who who loves eating meat and turkey, eat some every Thanksgiving, and she enjoys even the tofurkey. I swear, I'll bring her on the goddamn podcast and tell you guys. I swear.
1: <laughs> on
0: that note, goodbye, everyone. Bye.